Good morning, Tri-City. We're jumping today into our new series for the next seven weeks in the book of Lamentations. And as we do that, I want you to stop for a moment and just think, this has been a hard year. Stop and actually think about it for a moment. I'll give you a second. Think about all that has happened this past year. For many of you, this has been the hardest year of your life. For others of you, 2020 simply feels like one hard year in a long line of hard and difficult years. And then for others of you, maybe 2020 feels relatively okay compared to some of the things that you have experienced in your lifetime. But the bottom line is this. All of us have deep sorrow, and pain that we wrestle with. What should we do with it? As we begin our series today in the book of Lamentations, this is the question. What should we do with the sorrow and the grief and the pain that we feel as those who live in this world? What we should do, I think, as we'll see in this series, is not always what we do do. What we really do versus what we should do is often, I think, one of two things. Often we either internalize our pain and our suffering or we externalize our pain and our suffering. Either, I think, we we vent it to others in some way or we bury it so that it never sees the light of day. Just think of the ways that we externalize our pain. I think often we complain Often we vent our anger or our bitterness over our pain to anybody who will hear us, to anybody who will listen. And I think often to lots of people who really wish they hadn't listened or couldn't get away fast enough. Sometimes maybe we're a little bit more healthy about it. We take the confusion and the experience of suffering in this world and we express it in song. After all, Much of our most cherished music as human beings are songs that are expressing suffering and pain. Just think of the song Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton as an example. Or Fire and Rain by James Taylor. Or Nobody Knows the Trouble That I've Seen by Mahalia Jackson. Still other times, though we externalize our pain in maybe a more active and violent way as we rage and as we fight and even as we protest, because of the pain and the horrors that we experience here. We have many songs for this too. Songs like Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. Or songs like Fight the Power by Public Enemy. We don't just externalize it. Perhaps more often, the average person actually internalizes their pain. I'm talking about the the typical stiff upper lip approach to the sufferings of this world. Just bury it, uh, close it up, shut it down, don't mention it, and move on. Keep on keeping on. For those of you that are of uh, the boomer generation, many of you were raised by parents who experienced deep and horrific tragedy in their lives. And for many of them, their effort to live in this world, the way that they survived this world, was to bury their pain to become stoic, to become disconnected with the pain that they experienced, to cover it up in order to survive, to keep on living their lives. 
And of course, Stoicism is a popular option today that's suggested as a means of helping you navigate the pain of this world. But are these our only options, either internalizing or externalizing? Are these the only options that are given to us as human beings for how to deal with our pain? No. There is a much better way. Today we're going to look at the way that the Bible teaches us to deal with our pain. And not to externalize it, and not to internalize it, but to pray our pain outward to a God who is there. To a God who loves us. To a God who is present with us by his Holy Spirit, who is with us in our suffering, and who hears our cries. Starting today, we're going to spend seven weeks learning to do something that we're not very good at. Learning to lament. And our text for this series is the book of Lamentations, a book full of profound sorrow and pain written in the context of God bringing destruction to his beloved people because of their sin against him. This morning is an introduction to that series. And by way of introduction, what we'll do is we're going to consider what is lament, point number one, why lamentations, point number two, and why lament is important for us today. So what is lament? Why are we looking at the book of Lamentations to learn lament? And why lament is important for us today? So jump in with me at our first point. What is lament? What is lament? Well, author and pastor Mark Vruigop, he defines lament this way in his book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. And this is a book, by the way, that I would highly recommend for you to read alongside our series in Lamentations that will help you wrestle through lament and learn to uh, practice lament in our series. But his definition of lament is this. He says, lament is a prayer of pain, or sorry, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Psalm 13, I think, is a perfect example of this. I don't want to just tell you what the definition of lament is. I want to actually show you a lament. And so we're going to do that just by looking briefly at Psalm 13. But as we look at a lament in the Bible, I want to invite you to do something. As we enter this series, look at this lament and begin thinking about the ways that laments work. The honesty that is in a lament. The openness about complaints and questions and requests for God's intervention, an open honesty before God, and even a determination to trust God in the midst of problems. I want to invite you to hear this lament and to begin thinking about how you can learn to do likewise. Psalm 13 says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
Now, as we look at this definition for lament, a prayer and pain that leads to trust, and as we look at Psalm 13, I want to be the first person to say, to be honest with you, that I don't know how to lament. See, when I see a passage like this one, it makes me uncomfortable. I mean, on the one hand, I'm okay with the psalmist saying the words that are on the page, but I can't imagine that I would say those same things to God. I can't imagine bearing my heart to God in the same way that he did with that kind of honesty. How could I do that? Maybe you feel the same way. Imagine if you walked into a prayer meeting at Christ City Kitsilano. Maybe you were a few minutes late. And as you walk in, somebody that you know from the congregation is sitting there and they're praying the words of Psalm 13. They're saying, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I think you'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Maybe you'd even question that person's faith. But what we need to recognize is that as alien as lament feels to us in our context, it isn't faithless. Actually, lament is a profoundly trusting, God-oriented complaint and expression of grief. Lament wrestles with the heart of God and the bitterness of human experience with tears. And doesn't work those things outwards to one another on the human plane, whether internalizing or externalizing them, but is willing to take all of the questions and the doubts and the fears and bring them to God in sorrow and pain and grief to pray them out to him. And this year, I confess, I've only just begun to learn to lament. Just scratching the surface on what it means to pray in this way. The thing is, I typically bury my pain down deep. I don't think I even realized that I did that until this year. I've been learning that I usually don't tell God or anyone else for that matter what's really going on in my heart. And honestly, that prays these sorts of things. Honestly, that says, God, I'm angry. God, I'm really deeply hurt. God, right now I feel like you've abandoned me. Honestly, that praise like that, it's not typical for me. Usually in my prayers, I'm just silence. And in my silence, I think I'm also a little self-righteous, to be honest. Maybe you can relate to that. I think in my silence, I, I often think that Maybe I'm more faithful than people who say those sorts of things to God. I'm more full of faith than they are because I would never say those kinds of things to God. But is silence faithful? Is it better to stew on our emotions internally or even simply to live our lives venting them to other human beings and never actually take those things and those questions and those wrestlings to God in prayer? You see, as uncomfortable as we are pouring our hearts out to God, the heroes of our faith weren't uncomfortable. Author and songwriter Michael Card, he writes in his book, A Sacred Sorrow, that every major biblical character from Abraham to Paul is heard praying their protests to God and sorrowing for their sin by means of lament. And he's right. In Moses' anger and frustration, he asked God in Exodus 5:22, why God has done evil to his people and why God has sent Moses to help Israel at all. 
And of course, the Psalms and the prophets are just full of lament. And chiefly, we have even Jesus on the cross who laments in the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Mark 15, 34. You see, though it makes us uncomfortable, it is an act of faith to bring our pain and our sorrow and our questions and even our questions and our doubts to God. What is lament? It's a statement of faith. As we turn to God in our grief and our mourning, it is, as Mark Vruigop says, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. It sounds simple enough in its definition, but there's a lot of difficulty in it, isn't there? And it's this difficulty, I think, that is the perfect way to introduce the book of Lamentations, which we're going to do now in our second point. And the difficulty is that we know God and his goodness. We see his incredible faithfulness to us in Jesus Christ, and yet we live profoundly troubled and sorrowful lives. It's not hard to see this. One way to look at it is just to, to look at all of the secular expressions of grief that happen right now in this world through protests. There are protests all over this world right now as expressions of grief and sorrow. There are protests in Kentucky and Portland and most of the West as people grieve racial injustice. There are protests in Indonesia over unjust labor laws and protests in Egypt over houses of the poor being torn down by the government. There are protests in Belarus over a lack of true freedom and democracy. There are protests in Chile for changes to their constitution. Protests in the Democratic Republic of the Congo over unprosecuted rapes and murders. There are protests in Hong Kong for more freedoms. And there are many, many, many more than these. You see, Christ City, our world, is in turmoil. And as Christians, we believe that God is good. And yet here we are, living in a world full of bitterness and sin and death. It's disorienting. It's confusing for us. It leads us to questions and, and wrestling with the goodness of God. And that wrestling is the context of the book of Lamentations. Because for those who lived before the coming of Jesus, there was no more stomach-churning, confusing, and horrific experience of suffering on this earth than the experience of God's people as he responded to their sin by removing his presence from them. By bringing utter destruction upon them and sending them away in exile to the peoples of Assyria and Babylon. Just listen to what Old Testament professor Paul R. House writes in his commentary on Lamentations. He says this, Without question, one thing that makes lament so excruciatingly poignant is that God's people utter them. The situation is tragic. For God has caused this grief to envelop the very ones he has loved and cared for since the days of Abraham. The very ones he has loved and elected. <clears throat> In Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 to 8 is where we see this. 
You see, Christ City, with the smoke of Jerusalem in their nostrils, or at least in the memories uh, that they shared, the exiled people of God, they read lamentations and they grieved over their sin. They grieved over the just judgment of God against them in their sin. And they turned to him in the midst of their profound suffering. And they wrestled to turn to him in trust. There are many other places that we could turn to in the Bible to learn lament from. For example, there's a full third of the Psalms that are lament psalms. But there is no place in Scripture that, complete, that compares with the lament of Lamentations. Lamentations is truly the queen of laments. It's the most minor key song in all of the Bible. But Lamentations isn't the best book for us to learn lament from simply because it's the saddest book. It's the book for us today because in Lamentations we're confronted by a holy God who punishes sin. Here's the thing. We don't always see the direct connection between human sinfulness and suffering in this world. And certainly it would be wrong to say that when we see something, say an earthquake, an earthquake for example, it would be wrong to say that, that that's happening to those people over there because God is punishing them directly for their sin. It would be wrong to say that. And yet at the same time, the Bible does teach that suffering and death are in this world in general because of human sin. It's how it's got here in the first place. Paul says this clearly in Romans 5 verse 12. He says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Our problem is that we don't always see the connection between our sinfulness and our suffering. But in Lamentations, there is a crystal clear line that's drawn between God's perfect justice, human sin, and horrible suffering. And that, I think, really, really challenges us. Because what we want to do in our suffering, what I want to do in my suffering, is simply to point the finger at other people's sin. But Lamentations challenges us. Challenges us to look inward, to cry out to God honestly in our pain, to open our hearts to let him lead us to repentance for our own complicity, for the suffering that is in this world. It leads us to repent of the things that we have done consciously and unconsciously. To repent of the ways that we are part of a sinful humanity corporately, living as part of the culture and the world that we're in, and the way that we have sinned as individuals, individually committing sin with our own uh, direct understanding. Lamentations invites us to repent of what we have done, but also for what we have left undone. Look at Lamentations 1, verse 12 and verse 20 to see the connection between sin and suffering and the judgment of God. Is it nothing to you all who pass by? Look and see. If there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which is brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger, Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. 
Friends, Lamentations is going to challenge us. It's going to help us to cry out to God in our pain. But if we read it carefully and correctly, it would also help us to wrestle with our own sin. It will lead us to repentance and faith. And it will also lead us to deep comfort. As you go to trust our great and our glorious God and his steadfast love towards sinners like us. So we've considered what lament is. We've looked at why Lamentations is going to be a significant book for us to learn lament from. But maybe you're still wondering why we need lament in general. After all, you probably don't want to lament. It seems pretty difficult and uncomfortable. But let me highlight a couple of reasons for you why you need it. First, first we need lament Christ City because it's been a hard year. We need lament because we need to learn to cry our hearts out to God who hears us and who is with us. Second, we need lament because as citizens of the affluent West, I think that we can often live deeply out of touch with the real world. As our affluence and our fun and our entertainment and our pleasure and our celebration, all those things cause us to walk this world sort of like we're the Michelin man just living in a bubble suit. We enter this world, we walk through it, numb to the realities of suffering and sorrow, numb to the things that God longs to teach us through suffering, and numb to our own sin. C.S. Lewis famously said in his book, The Problem of Pain, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us, <clears throat> speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt, pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepented rebellion. But it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. And friends, it is lamenting in response to this pain that allows us to begin to deal with it that allows us to begin to deal with our sin, to trust God's faithfulness, to learn what he is teaching us in the difficulty that we are in as we turn to him in our grief and our suffering. We need lament. And third, we need lament because if we aren't emotionally honest about the horrors of this world, we will appear to not actually live in the real world to all of the people around us that we're trying to share the gospel with. You see, the people around you are deeply aware and troubled by the injustices of this world. Are you? Are you living as someone connected to the grief and suffering of this world or someone anesthetized the pain by a happy, clappy approach to the Christian faith that allows no room for real pain and grief? Friends, a happy, clappy gospel that doesn't wrestle with real pain and suffering and injustice, that's a false gospel. And it's not going to offer hope to anybody. Fourth, we need lament because we serve a Savior who lamented. Jesus Christ experienced far more of the consequences of sin in this world than we ever have. And he lamented. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries out to God with loud cries and tears, asking him to remove this cup from him, to, to find another way than to accomplish redemption than through the cross. And on the cross, Jesus cries out to God with the lament of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. But friends, this is our comfort. We lament in the shadow of the cross. We lament knowing that Jesus lamented before us. We lament knowing that God himself became human in Jesus Christ, that he dwelt among us, experienced our pain, and atoned for our sin. And that makes all the difference. You see, at the end of the book of Lamentations, we read these words. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Unless you have utterly rejected us, and you remain exceedingly angry with us. You see, the early readers of Lamentations, they would read these words, longing for the homes that were destroyed, longing for the God that they felt had abandoned them. And at the end of the book, they were met with silence. They were left waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. But in our pain, we look backward to the definitive answer to our pain. We look backward to the definitive statement of God's love and his compassion and his mercy for sinners like you and I. For sinners who writhe in the agony of sin and death as we await the second coming of our Messiah. You see, because just as God promised long before Lamentations was written, Jesus has come. Just as God promised, Jesus entered this world for us and for our salvation. He entered this world stepping forward to bear the full weight of our sins that we could receive the full measure of God's blessings, of his Holy Spirit poured out into our lives, of us broken human sinners reconciled and brought back into relationship with the God who made us. See, in Lamentations, there is deep grief over pain and the heavens are silent. But as you and I learn to lament, as we weep in a world full of sin and death and suffering, we do so comforted by the intimate presence of a Savior who speaks the sweet words to us. Sweet words like John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The sweet words of a Savior who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A Savior who speaks to us, fear not, little flock. Jesus who speaks, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Friends, we lament in the shadow of the cross, knowing that because of the cross, we are not alone. Our God is with us, and he will never forsake us. Would you pray with me? Father, would you teach us to lament? Would you teach us that you are a God who hears our prayers? You are a God who isn't intimidated by our questions, by our complaints. You are a God who longs to welcome us to yourself, to pour out our pain to you. God, would you teach us that you love us, that even in the midst of our questions in this world of suffering, that you love us, that you are for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Would you work powerfully for this series, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.